you to stop moving the microphone around. <laughs> it was like spinning. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, I'm so well, sorry. Wrecking the place. I'm so you just got here. I know. I'm having a rough day. You look like uh, I look ridiculous. I, I like the look. No, you have like a, a a cap on, as if one would wear in a beat cafe in the 1950s. You have uh, a scarf on, and that shirt is also very beatnik dude is it yeah i mean are you gonna start reciting poetry soon um maybe i should i don't know i always wanted to be one of those beatnik guys well you're you're one right now i'm drinking like a, 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 a double espresso a double espresso i mean shit nah Wow. Wow. What were those beatnik poets' names? I took a whole course in that, and I can't remember any Gregory Corso. Alan Green- Alan Ginsberg. Alan Ginsberg. Not, not, Alan, not Alan Greenberg. <laughs> it's like Alan, Gr- Alan Greenberg. No, Alan Greenspan, the oh, uh, he's director the of the Fed. former chair of the Fed. What is going on with this fucking equipment shit? Stop. It's mostly me with my giant boots. <laughs> because okay. it is snowing out today, guys. Yeah, it's snowing. It snowed... Uh, first snow. Probably closer to, closer to three inches than two. That's something I usually say to my wife, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's that kind of a morning. Yeah. So it was, um, man, what a morning. I made the horrific accident of not moving fast enough to shovel out the uh, the driveway for oh, my wife before, uh, before she got to it. So when, <laughs> once, I, uh, once I shook it out, you know, I, I woke up and I realized it, you know. It was too late. It's already <laughs> shoveling, and so now I am. Oh, your wife was shoveling. Well, yeah, she wouldn't. You know, she, it was like, oh man, you didn't. You know, you're not even thinking about the car, honey. Let me. me take that shovel. Uh, no, it's oh, fine. She I'll do me it. And yeah, that <laughs> yeah, <it> was bad. <laughs> I uh, I hit the treadmill this morning yeah. for my morning constitutional, and then immediately got off the treadmill, put on a jacket. Went outside and did the cars and the driveway and stuff. You, ha- you have to. Oh, I know. I, I you just. got to be proactive. Man. Can you stop banging your hands on I'm the sorry. <laughs> Banger. I'm a banger. Like I couldn't get Danny last week to, to get close enough to the microphone. Like eventually oh, yeah. I just gave up. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. He's it not going to do fine. it. Yeah. I thought that was a really good interview. And, and uh, thanks, uh, Danny. Wait, wait, we should do the thing. And we're back. <laughs> Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm not X. I'm Mike. And boy, do we have a show for you. Today on RMA, the snow is falling, the cars are slipping, and all the boys and girls have on their galoshes and their winter mittens and hats and are heading to school diligently, reluctantly, nonetheless. <laughs> and RMA gets together today from Gray Skull Studios to deliver for you a show <laughs> about nothing, kind of <laughs> like Seinfeld for uh, recovery. All this and more today on a very, very special edition of RMA. And welcome back to the show, everyone. So many of our shows have been about nothing, nothing. lately. It, that's why Seinfeld was so, you know, successful. That was yeah. their whole thing. It's We're, about nothing. So this is a recovery show about nothing. But you are not Larry David. True. I am not Jerry Seinfeld. Also very true. So we have to come up with shit. Something. Um, but yeah, Ben was very annoyed when he woke up and found there was not even a yeah. delay. I was ecstatic to wake up and find there was no delay because the delay is like the worst of all worlds. I know. In my opinion. I hate like, that. I was saying that too to Christine. I was like, God, nothing worse than a delay. And she was kind of like, oh, I don't mind a delay. Right. But I do. they have to go and, and 
work. Right, because right, it's her job. Right. right, of course. So so Aaron shows up to the parking lot at her school this morning and sends me a text and says, um, I'm the only one here, which means I'm going to have to substitute teach today, probably kindergarten or something. I was like, Jesus. I said, well, honey, you know, the reward oh, for man. competency and dedication is, is usually more work. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's true. And that's what you get. So speaking of Scuba Danny, yeah. um, a couple of things on that end. Um, for those of you that listened last week uh, and heard the story of Scuba Dan and his um, his tales of... His harrowing uh, tales. Harrowing tales of of, uh, of him looking at his relationship with alcohol. Um you you might recall that he mentioned that he was going on a date night with his wife and he didn't know what to do and, right. and without drinking, what is he going to do? And I was like, I don't know, man, go out and eat, go for a walk, something. Yeah. Anything. And um, so he decided to go axe throwing, right? Yeah. So, but because, because last week was another one of our monsoon storms of the century, he goes to the axe throwing place and they're like, no, we're closed because of rain. Which is things that happen these days in the era of global warming. Mm. No. Um, So he's coming back and he's texting me. He's like, fuck, you know, I should have just went to the bar. This sucks. I I hate not drinking. It's fucking. Mm -hmm. And five minutes later, he sends me another text. He was rear-ended by a drunk driver. No kidding. He'd been going 40 miles an hour. Blasted into the car behind him that pushed that car into, into him. him. Wow. Totaled his car. Jesus. Airbags go off because they, they pushed his car into the car in front of oh him. My God. And I was like, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, without trying to be too much of a douchebag about it, I was like, maybe see? is that is that the is that <laughs> the universe <laughs> trying to send you a message? Where you're like, see, drunk people hit you. It's the universe, but he's okay. That's the most he's important fine. part. He and his wife are fine. They were I a little was, banged uh, up. They yeah, went to worried. the. They went to the. Uh, the ER the next day because they were suffering from low impact uh, soft tissue injuries, as you're familiar with the mm-hmm. IME business. Yeah, you might uh, have a no fault claim, you think? Uh, yeah, I think they're going to treat a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, well, we'll get to him in a few months. But uh, when yeah. he's had too much, <laughs> right. we will cut him off. Uh, but he wanted me to send a message to the RMA listeners th- thanking them for the feedback, which I've, I've shared some of it with oh, him. Oh, great. And <laughs> And um, and also wanting to let us know that sobriety is to life what what the condom is to a blowjob. Oh, well, thank you, <laughs> thank, thank you, Danny, Danny for, for, for classing that. it up for us. <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have I've now shared your thoughts with the audience. I thought it was funny that he had asked you like, is it okay to talk about sex or something like that? <laughs> right. And then we're like, well, it's not like that's not the the way sort of we do the show. It's not like a dirty show, but hey, no. everything is. Yeah, it's know, all on the. Everything's on the table. Slap it on the table. We're man. not like doing uh, Howard Stern's Butt Bongo Fiesta specials on uh, pay-per-view. That was a classic. However, we may in the future. I don't know if anybody would want to see this. Again uh, with the fucking microphone. Maybe what we is, need a wireless. Yeah. Do you, do you want to get a wireless? No, out? because latency. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, if you struggle with it... <laughs> I'm just going to read this just go right so I can get this over with. Yeah, By the way, do we have to send Soberlink lady right? keeps sending me fucking you. Can you please do, respond to the Soberlink lady? Want? Well, she wants to know how much we're charging her for the ads this year. Uh, That's the first thing. Okay, so it's more than last year. Yes. Is that the idea? And okay. she wants uh, the data, which we promised her. Yeah, but, I can. Okay. I'm, pr- I'm sorry, Samantha. I'm sending <laughs> she, it. She doesn't listen to us, I'm apparently. <laughs> Samantha. Or, or, or she certainly wouldn't be renewing the con- her, con- her contract. <laughs> Samantha, I am sending it. Uh, Smitha? Smitha? Samantha. 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 I call her Sam. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure she like, appreciates that. <laughs> she never responded. No. Okay. Sorry. Sam. Um, good. She's like, she's getting like 
very like weird about it. Now. Is she really? She's, now she's sending follow up emails like every other day. All right, all right, all right. I'm all right. sorry, Samantha. I'm doing it. All she wants to do is give us money, Nat. That's I'm sorry. It. If you struggle with alcohol addiction, you've likely tried to make January 1st your sobriety date at least half a dozen times. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, so correct. If it's stuck, great. If it didn't, you're not alone. The reason most people struggle with keeping their New Year's resolutions is because they lack, what do they lack? You lack confidence. <laughs> yes, yes, perhaps, but also accountability. Oh, right. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> After all, who would really know if you cheated? I assume they're talking about Soberlink. Just you and God. <laughs> right. If you were using Soberlink to maintain sobriety, your support network would. Mm, that's creepy. Soberlink is the <laughs> only high-tech breathalyzer system that will truly, truly hold you accountable when cravings get a little too loud. Here's why it has our stamp of approval. You'll test at the same time every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Mm-hmm. That sounds like bullshit. Uh, to devices have built-in facial recognition, so it knows you're testing. That one sounds like more. That's legit. Like it's got teeth. Tamper sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system. Tamper sensor. Mm. Do not tamper with it. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping to rebuild trust and prevent relapse. Or create acrimony and animosity. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck are you drinking? What are you doing? Anyway, invest in yourself this year. Visit www.soberlink.com slash middle hyphen ages to sign up and receive $50 off your device. And nobody is middle hyphening anyone's ages. Why don't you do it this time? Why don't you hyphen right. their ages? I will hi middle hyphen your ages if you act now and purchase a Soberlink device. No, but seriously, folks. This thing would be seriously, folks. but seriously, folks, Soberlink, we've, they've been with us a while. And as you know, G Money Smooth, the uh, editor at large, the RMA Ruse Noom, the Newsroom has used it with some great success. Um, and so if it's worked for Grant, it can work for you. Pick up a Soberlink and get on top of it. So a uh, quick drinking story. Mm -hmm. not, not mine. Someone else's. Uh, I, I go upstairs yesterday to try and bond with my 19-year-old mm -hmm. by putting up some lights in his room, like these, you know, these twinkly oh, lights. Oh, yeah, yeah. No one loves yeah. those. And um, I, I notice his fake ID sitting out uh, next to the TV. Is it McLovin? <laughs> no, it's like it's his name and everything, and it looks like a, exactly like a New York State driver's license. I could not tell the difference. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it scans too. Like the bouncers can scan it and it wow. comes up valid. So I don't know what kind of fucking terrorist he's buying Jesus. these things from or, or if I should be fun. alarmed that you can easily get a fake ID that will pass a, a scan. At a bar? At a bar. <laughs> but it should pass. I mean, it runs a, a barcode. I mean, it has to yeah. access something. I don't know. That's horrifying. It's, it is horrifying. But it's all crumpled up. And I'm like, what happened? And uh, he went over to his friends the other night and uh, a guy he knows from the frat. So I assume they just sat around and played, you know, chess and talked right. about poetry, right? Probably, yeah. Um, like Dead Poet Society in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Except he, they all went out to a bar in Babylon because mm. um, this guy lives out east, I guess. Mm. And, um, but my son's wearing shorts and this bar on the South Shore of Long Island. They've got a dress apparently code? Apparently has a dress code. On the South Shore? I yes. thought the only dress code was you have to have sweatpants on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sweatpants would get you in. You have Shorts would not get you in. <laughs> sweatpants required. It's the so, South Shore. So he goes, uh, so the bouncer doesn't let him in, mm. and he stands there for a few minutes, mm. and then the bouncer, I guess, has to run off and chase somebody for some reason. <laughs> so he <laughs> sees the door open, and he just books in there. And goes in there, gets himself a drink, and he's standing there shooting the drink down. And the bouncer comes back and runs in and grabs hey, him. You and, with the shorts. 
throws him out and says, give me your ID. And for some reason, the knucklehead actually gave it to him. I'm uh, not sure why. So then the bouncer tried to rip it and fucking destroy it so he couldn't use it. And then uh, threw it at him. And then he took an Uber back to his friend's house. And then his friends came an hour later. But mm. I'm like, all these drinking stories and Scary. hijinks and all that shit. And, and I, this kid, like, I don't know what to do with him because he's definitely... He's drinking like a frat boy in college, you know? Yeah. I go to his room, and there's empties up there, and, like, what can I do? Mm. He's 19. I like, I, I you know, he's not of legal age, but he's. it's like he spent months at school just going out and drinking whenever he wanted at a frat. Like, what, am I going to... How do I, I mean, you know, I can't, there's nothing I can do. I've you know got a I mean? 13 I can't year punish old. him. I know it's, I wish I had any idea what to advise you, but I'll, I just look at guys like you with this, a son that age or a daughter and I just feel for you. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any good advice because I just know with my 13 year old, you know, when other people try to give me advice who don't have a 13-year-old, it's always terrible advice. Yes. It's completely impractical because right. I have no idea what it's like. So I am just going to – I have no idea. I mean, I can imagine what I might say to, like, Noah in that situation. I don't know. <laughs> like, I have no idea. I really don't. I, you know, I chuckled because, you know, part of me, you know, still enjoys the a good um, – you know, story of daring do and young men acting like, re, uh, but it's like when it's jerks. your kid, right? But uh, yeah, and and I'm thinking, I like, I look in the future, and and he has a hard time sleeping, and he takes Adderall when he and, and he, so he's taking this interim class, and he let the work all pile up, right? Mm. Now it's due like today and a couple of days, so he took an Adderall last night at like six o'clock ah, in the evening, the extended release. I don't know, but I heard, I, heard him, yeah. I heard him knocking around up there, and then I come down in the morning, and I look in the bathroom, and there's fucking red wine all over the walls in the bathroom. Ugh. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. And what I'm guessing is he finally got tired of not being able to sleep, mm -hmm. doesn't know how to open a bottle of wine with mm, a cork in it. Why do I have a bottle of wine above my fridge? I don't know. It's been sitting there for four years. <laughs> I've got like... It's just yeah, sitting yeah, there. Nobody in my house drinks it. <laughs> But I guess he tried to manhandle that cork out at like Ugh. four o'clock in the morning, and yeah. and of course, doesn't clean it up. Did he at least know? get the work done? That yeah. would be my yeah, question. Yeah, he handed it in. Yeah. So if the work got done, I'm like, you but, know. I, but I mean, here's a kid like, and he's he's gotten on to um, Boost Bar, I guess. My his psychiatrist yeah, I've just heard of gave Boost him, Bar. and he's got this social anxiety, and he's got all this stuff going on in his head, and it's yeah. like, the drinking is like the one thing that makes him like somewhat social. And it also like helps him get to sleep. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is really fucking bad because you you are you are starting to rely yeah. on this thing, you know, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, I, I was. But doing how do you too. tell that to a 19 year old? You know, I I have had that conversation. Well, I'm like, you do not want to rely on this to go to sleep. It's like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's your best option. The way you've been doing it is just coming to him like, you know, you're not saying do this because I said so. I know that Noah's like. He's not a kid. I can say do it because I said so. Yeah, he's right. gonna. The only way I can work with him on some of the stuff he's arguing with Christine about is just to like appeal to his better, you know, sensibility. Just like to treat him like it's his decision because ultimately it is. Just like you said, right. the kid's gonna do what he wants. Same thing with Noah. I mean, to an extent, he's only thirteen, so not as much. But still, a kid is. He's not gonna do it because I told him to. You're right. He has. Right. Max is different. He's a kid where you tell him to do something, even if it's reluctant, he'll do it. 
Noah, not so much. Well, he's young. Max is young enough that he still respects your authority. Yeah. You know, ben is, would just laugh at me. Yeah, Noah too. <laughs> so I just try and talk to him like on, a, on an eye-to-eye basis, like trying to explain like, no, these are good reasons why I have these concerns. And like, mm-hmm. you're a smart guy. Like, what do you think? Can't you see that? And it's, you know, it's, it doesn't always work. I don't know. These kids are like nuts. I can't. I, I'm giving. I can't give up. I mean, but. Ben is a, Ben is a good kid, and yeah, he will Ben's generally listen to what I'm saying, you know, yeah. and consider it, you know. And he's he's still like a kid, kid. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's not. I feel like Noah's like more mature. He pretends to be. Yeah. He wants to be. Yeah. But it, you know, deep down inside, he's still a little kid. Well, I mean, Ben and Noah have been uh, hanging out a little yeah, bit together. Yeah, that's been cool. It's weird. It's I'm weird. trying every, not every to Every few act, months, yeah, like, they It does happen. Thing. So I try not to over, like, say, like, oh, it's so great. Right. Ben has come over to hang out, finally. Right. I'm just kind of like, oh, cool, whatever. And I'm like, Where? You know what I would love to see? <laughs> I would love to see the two of them do a podcast. Yes. And then listen to it and hear if it's at all. If it's, yeah. You know, if it sounds at all like that this. That would be cool. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll uh, see. Mm. Oh. What? Can I just say, mm-hmm. um, I almost got into a fight the other day. You did? Yeah. With who? So I, t- you know my other son, Jack? Mm-hmm. I take him to a reptile show. Yes. Because he likes reptiles. Yes, he does. And they have these shows. And you go there and then- Is it like a gun show where you can get unlicensed lizards and stuff? Actually, they're pretty good about not having the, the exotic- Mm-hmm. Like alligators and stuff. Um, <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe you could ask somebody and they'll slip you a, a caiman under the yes. table. I don't know. You know, I don't ask. Yeah. But um, but they're interesting because there's a lot of snakes, as you can imagine, and a lot of um, lizards and even tarantulas and um, praying mantises. Mantises. Yes. <laughs> and you can buy like frozen mice and bugs and things and everything related to the to the reptile trade. That's to feed them, right? The, um... Well, yeah, it's not to feed yourself. No. Um, so this was at the Westchester County Center. So I, I, I take him up there and um, we go in and it's the end, towards the end, we're about to leave and Jack need, wants to buy a spray bottle to spray down his reptiles. Because mm. that's, that's how you I wash a that's reptile. A, that's a thing that you do. No, you, you, yeah, exactly. You missed in the tank. <laughs> You missed in the yes, that's right. I'm exactly. just giving. I'm painting yes. a picture. No, it's. I get it. It's then, good. It's like <laughs> <laughs> like the lizards going. <laughs> is, that, is that how it goes? I don't. Have yep. I painted the picture? I usually don't everyone? get my head close enough to hear any of that. Um, so so he's yeah. So I go to pay for the spray bottle, and then I hear these two guys, like being very loud and kind of like they want to buy something and I'm not really paying much attention until one of them like kind of pushes me out of the way. Hey, I want to get a lizard over here. What the fuck? Well, that's not exactly the accent <laughs> no. I would use. Let's really? just say Where was this? Let's just say it's a Bronx, it would be a Bronx accent, oh. but not an Italian one. Just oh, saying. I'm not, you know, it's not really germane okay. to the conversation. No, but don't bring But anyway, the guy's like, this. yo, man, I, I bet I could I could weigh my weed on this scale, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. That's a great point. I'm like, I it's, didn't just, think of that. <laughs> it's just a couple of loud dudes. Right. So, um, so the guy gets in front of me and tries to, to cut the line and there's a bunch of people behind me and I said, listen, hey, you see me standing here? He said, yeah, I see you standing there. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then the the proprietor of the stand was like, I saw what you did. That's very rude. And he takes my money and makes the other guy wait. Uh The other guy didn't like that 
too much. <laughs> so I'm yes. walking away with, with Jack, and this guy is, like, trailing us going, hey, motherfucker, how about I wrap you in the side of the face, you really? fucker? You know, and I'm like, ugh. Wow. You know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm a 56-year-old <laughs> man. I don't get, and get into street fights with people. You. So I, I'm just kind of... I, I, kind of fade away into the crowd. I'm like, Jack, come on. So we just kind of fade away into the crowd. And then he pops up again. <laughs> and he's like, and he starts going on to Jack. He's like, you want to take this outside, motherfucker? I'll take you outside and I'll fucking beat your white ass. You know, wow. like that kind of shit. And I'm like, oh. you are getting into trouble. Well, I knew there was a cop around the front. Uh. So I, I kind of, uh, security. So I kind of work my way around and I just kind of stand next to the cop. And I wait until they see me standing next to the cop. And then they kind of fucking go wow. off. But I'm like, uh, and I'm like, well, fuck like they're going to be waiting outside because uh, we're all walking to the door wow. so i take jack through like this subterranean <laughs> tunnel and i exit out the side door Damn. and i look around the front and they're standing there in the front <gasps> so i i just sneak off to the parking lot got in the car and get out of there but that i mean i That's i just horrifying. i put this in a context of like this larger sort of breakdown of the social order that yeah. i seem to be seeing everywhere like people are just insane lately yeah, yeah like, it's uh it's weird you know? Yeah, uh, we had an altercation at one of our uh, sessions on Friday in Queens. Oh, really? Yeah, it was scary. I don't know. Um, what happened? Well, a claimant got surly and a was, you know, because they they're <laughs> up they're upset sometimes if they have to wait to see a doctor you right. know, for these workers' comp exams, and uh, they don't like to be told you're not up yet. You know, just like basic stuff. You're waiting on a line. Same thing with yes. this guy. He's waiting on a line. He doesn't like <laughs> the lot he's been given. You know, right. but here you are. You've got to have this uh, exam to whatever. Just relax. Don't try and like intimidate like a receptionist. Like it's yeah, crazy. Right, right. You know, of course they. When it comes to like another person who they feel like they can dominate, you know, then it's very easy to get aggressive. So it's scary. You know, like. I, I do not frequent reptile shows, but it sounds like a surly bunch. You know, it's not really. There's significant overlap between the reptile people and the Pokemon people. Oh, really? Yeah. That's weird. And like, and the goths, you know, there's a lot of goths, but they're not violent. They're just kind of morose. Right. You know what I mean? True. And then there's like the happy guys, and there's guys that you clearly spend a lot of time in the gym. Yeah. You know, right? Reptiles are fucking awesome. <laughs> so this kind of thing, like, I don't know, it freaked me out, though. I started thinking yeah. like, you know, I who knows? maybe I need a carry permit. Yeah, you like know? who knows? Like, what I don't these know. Like people out there, they they have nothing to lose, or you know, they feel like you've really stepped on their toes, and they've got to prove something. I, I guess you know, you got to. I guess the lesson is, you know, if somebody cuts you in line, just and, and they're bigger than you. Yeah. <laughs> just walk back. Just don't I'm so say sorry. Anything. Don't I'm, say anything. You know, welcome. Like I wonder how I would have handled that if I had like a hangover. If I if I had a couple drinks in me, I would have been. I probably would be dead. Yeah. You know, because I, I would have pushed back on, you on just it. Don't the, know. It's company in their twenties. Like I don't, I can't even take that seriously. I know. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's just like a kid. Well, <sighs> where is he his fucking, He looked like he just got out in a prison. Yeah, <laughs> the other problem. Yeah, yeah I'm like I. And he had like three friends. That yeah. was the. They're problem. gonna eat you for Because I'm like, well, Jack has never lifted a hand to anybody no, in his life. Poor Jack. And like he's gonna get into a fight with his dad, him and his dad oh. versus like three guys from the Bronx. Like yeah. we would have gotten obliterated. Yeah, it's really they're real tough guys going after. Uh, I don't know. It's just weird. So avoid reptile conventions. That's yeah. my recommendation. So what are we talking about? What today? the fuck are we talking about? What are we gonna talk oh, about? Okay, I know so up until yesterday, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. But then I remembered, and, oh, good. and I think you reminded us last week, you have a big day coming up. January 18th um, is yes, a big day guys. for you. Yeah, yeah. I was all, all sappy and, and last week talking about uh, the anniversary of the OD. But 
what came after that OD, sort of like there's Good Friday and then there's Easter. The resurrection. The resurrection. <laughs> so we can think of the fourth as like, God, I don't know. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. I'm just saying. Why are you looking for Nat behind this table? <laughs> he is, he's, he's arisen. He has arisen. <laughs> so, um, yep, January 18th, 2018. Boom. That's my sober date. 19, 20, 21, mm-hmm. 22, mm-hmm. 23, 24. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's six years. Six years. Six years. Six years, everybody. Six years. Whether you believe me or not. <laughs> Wait, why wouldn't we believe you? Nobody believes me, especially... I, I believe know. you. Thank you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's got these different, like, if you eat sugar, you're not sober, or, you know, I don't know. What the I fuck? I feel good. Really? Caffeine. How much caffeine do you drink every day? You're two, addicted. Two cups of coffee. Yeah. Every yeah. day. And what well, happens sometimes if Sometimes three, and then tea in the afternoon. And what happens if you don't have your caffeine, Mr. Addict? I get a headache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what they call that? Withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. And you call yourself sober. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, well, I'm not mm-hmm. really sober. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm taking medication. <laughs> I did take antibiotics and what? Advil. I had a toothache list. You didn't pray to God to remove your infection? <laughs> I, well, I did. I mean, that is I a like, serious... Jesus fucking Christ, this hurts. <laughs> Let me tell you, that is a defective character that God needs to remove. And that's oh. your room. But in any case... I wish God would remove my wisdom teeth. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a painless way. That would be nice. Um, which reminds me, speaking of God and recovery... I posted a very polarizing. Oh, yes, we're going to talk before we talk about very quickly. So we're going to talk about today Mm -hmm. long-term sobriety, challenges and opportunities. How you can rebuild your personality after quitting your drug of choice without torpedoing your relationships, Mm. and why it takes five years to get your marbles back. Ah, yes. But first. But first. Let's talk about that weird fucking picture that you posted. Oh, yeah. So it's funny because, um, oh, so Sober Soldiers is um, is like another group that we're buddies with. They post on ours. We post on theirs and listen to the show. And um, I think it's like TJ Vasquez mm-hmm. is like the main dude. Great guy. They have an awesome community. Um, from the pictures and stuff, it looks like they're doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, for the local recovery uh, community. Yeah, it's a little faith-based, but it's, that's fine if that's yeah. your jam. You, you know, know, and I always appreciate it uh, about them. I always, um, you know, I like that kind of thing. I think it's it's great for them, and uh, it's a great source of um, of comfort and power, you know, when they, they look at it that way. So there's this, uh, I don't want to call it a meme, but it's an image. And I've seen this for a few years. It's come up, and it's uh, it looks like like a guy taking a, a shot of heroin, uh, except Jesus is standing like behind him. How would you, here it is. Can we describe this together? So Jesus is standing behind him with a look of agony on his face. And right. the guy, while he's actually shooting it into his own arm, the the, the picture is, is, is composed, so it looks like Jesus is taking the shot. Right. Right? There it is. Yeah. And there's a pair of nunchucks <laughs> yeah. hanging on the, you know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff in this picture. Why, is, why are there nunchucks hanging in order to, I don't know. Are I those never, Jesus's nunchucks or do they belong to the guy? It's a great question. And I think we may because never know. Because if you know. assume that the arm is the same as Jesus's arm, right. then the nunchucks have to belong to Jesus as well. I think it's a shared nunchuck. Ooh. Yeah. And there's like a skull, oh, yeah. a, a skull on a table. Oh, look. What there's his say? name. He signed it. Stephen... Stephen Sawyer. Sawyer. So the reason I posted it is because I've seen people really like get a lot out of it and feel like it it means something to them. I don't know. There's also whiskey in a glass. There's cocaine on a a mirror with a rolled up 
bill, and then there's cigarettes smoldering in the ashtray. Well, let me just ask you, as, as, a, as an observer, an objective observer, wh- what does this make you think about? How does it make you feel? Can I be brutally honest? That's what I'm looking okay. for. Horrified, The right? first thing that I saw when I wanted to say is when this I saw this open? was, if Jesus didn't buy the bag, why is he getting the first shot? <laughs> <laughs> And this is a good I one. almost posted that. And then I'm like, all I'm going to do is irritate people. Yeah. And I don't mean to be, I, I get what this is tr- supposedly well, represents. What right? is it supposed to represent? Because I don't understand it's, it. Completely. It's representing that God, that you are a, ch- a child of God. Right. And, you're and taking you and a God shot are basically heroin. the same. So when you are putting heroin into your body, you're really shooting up the Lord. You're shooting up Jesus yes. when you shoot you're, yourself you're, up. And Jesus is, is in agony right. because one of his it. children is in agony. Right. That's how I see it. And this is him taking like your sins or something too. This is him like dying on that cross, the proverbial okay. cross for you. Yeah. So I posted it because, you know, so just somebody <laughs> put in there. Like, yeah. There's some funny comments. Yeah, on I, this. I can't, uh, you got to go to the recovery in the middle ages, um, discussion group yeah. on Facebook. Grizzly Adams is a great man. Corey says, I guess cause Jesus looks like Grizzly Adams in that picture. I think that's why he said that. Yeah, for me, and then uh, Kevin H. actually had a comment. He says, for me, it contrasts with years of spiritual abuse and religiosity that had me feeling unworthy even of grace. I think it illustrates that even in my darkest days, I am beloved of Christ, and also illustrates that Jesus knows suffering and affliction and is close to me in my own suffering and affliction. That's a great perspective. Like, mm. So, okay, that, that helps me understand why that's comforting to him. Now, like my wife, who is on uh, our group, you know, she's someone who sees that and was like, oh, that's terrible. Why would you post that? Hmm. I said, I posted it because of that reaction that you just, that's exactly why. I want to know why some people really are comforted by this. And some people are like, they have a revulsion to this image. Right. I think it's really interesting. Um, And then uh, (laughs) Jason P says, Every self-respecting addict keeps their nunchucks in their back pocket, <laughs> not on their doorknob. <laughs> For that reason, I'm out. Thank you, Jason. Um, let's see. Um, and then Jeff M. says, our famous last words, God, please help me. A drink, a snort, a needle, a bowl, the scene in The Crow. Okay, I think that's from The Crow. And then Woodsman says, I think it's powerful. And then Jenny says, I hate this image. LDB says, Christ became sin while on the cross, just like what I said. Once for all time, this seems more like it was painted for the sake of attention or controversy. And then uh, Woodsman says, good point. Agreed. It's, uh, it's a shocking image. Um, Where's the what thing? did Grant say? Well, this guy, John Patrick Flynn, says this is what happens right before the gay sex. No, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I guess people are coming at this from oh, different God. angles. I love it. Uh, Grant says, uh, makes me think of that uh, country song, Jesus Take the Pill. I guess Jesus Take the Wheel. Um, oh, Jesus Take And the why shot. the grimace of pain on his face? Hasn't that guy been through worse? <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed he has. But... Um, <laughs> That's the best one. The, Who hasn't he been through worse? Okay. I saw, you know, one of those AI generated images the other day. Yeah. It was uh, Jesus standing in a room and there were all these plaques on the wall with like steering wheels mounted on them. And it's like Jesus standing next to a collection of the wheels that he's taken. <laughs> I don't know. In any case, guys, I, I just love hearing all of your, uh, your opinions on this controversial image. If you have anything more to say about it, go to the Recovery in the Middle Ages Facebook um, 
tell us what you think. I'm just, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer to, to how you should feel about this. Clearly. Unless, you, unless it conjures up images of gay sex, in I, which I, case maybe you want to talk to somebody about that. This is one of those posts where you're supposed to say <laughs> wrong answers only. Like, yeah. What do you think about this? That's how you get all the funny stuff. Um, yeah. But thanks so much guys for commenting on it. Yeah. Thanks. And um, what are you, how are you going to top that one? I don't That's know. That's the most uh, reaction of anything we've posted in <laughs> a very long time. Yeah. So keep going. Just keep making comments and we'll read them. <laughs> um, hey, be sure to uh, rate and review us, please, guys. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we're on YouTube, actually. Uh, there's not videos, per se, but you can listen to the podcast on YouTube. And if you could just subscribe for me, that would be cool. Also, the podcast app, go to Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts. Smash that like and Smash subscribe it. button. Smash it. On YouTube. That's right. Face first. Boom. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> Take it. Take it. Give me five stars, and then we shall read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody that didn't get us anything for Christmas, why don't you go and give us a five-star review? Yeah, please. Thank you. Please, please. Thank you. Um, okay, moving right along. Long-term sobriety and challenges. Should we should we go down that road? Yes. So you're, you've got six years now, so you're now yes. an expert on long-term sobriety challenges and opportunities. Right. Um, I was thinking the other day when you, when, you know, after you mentioned that you were coming up on six years that uh, I remember this author that I, I used to read a lot. His name was Jan Wilhelm van de Wettering. Oh. He's a Dutch... Uh, author, as you may have gathered. Did he have a Van Dyke? He did, wow. in fact. Good for uh, he wrote a couple of really good books on on uh, on Buddhism, but they were memoirs, like b- mm. from the 70s, like before the memoir was really a thing. Uh, they're very funny, very existential, um, not at all boring. And then he wrote an entire series of books um, from a Buddhist perspective of these two detectives in Amsterdam <laughs> Wait, a who would go and solve crimes, but they were, it was, they were really like allegories for Zen Buddhism. Right. Really fascinating Interesting. dude. Uh, I was a bit obsessed with him for a while. But anyway, he quit drinking in his 40s. And when Me he, too. Right. And uh, I was a little late for that. But, mm. um, but he used to talk about it occasionally. And I remember reading an interview with him. He said something like, I had to... When I quit drinking, I had to spend some time away from people to rebuild my personality, Mm. which I I was like, I never really understood what he meant. Rebuild, yeah. But I guess what he meant was, um, you know, he was talking about the the, the significant and and really challenging uh, part of recovery and sobriety, which is the process of sort of redefining yourself and your life without alcohol being such a big part of it, Mm. right? Or drugs or whatever you have, like... um, did, did you feel that way? Did you feel that when you took the alcohol away that you felt the need to sort of reevaluate your beliefs, your values, your interests, how you relate to other people? Or was that not really something that you wrestled with? Man, you mean when I first removed drugs and alcohol? Well, let's, let's say the first year or so, like the process of like, were you like, I don't know who I am anymore. I need to, I need to really reevaluate what I think about the world. No. No? No, uh... No, I, I didn't have to like conscious. I didn't like consciously say, man, I've got to rethink everything. It really just happened. Like I started to notice that I was thinking differently and, and changing my priorities. So it was something that was more organic with my lifestyle changes. Right. Less of a, um, you know, so my, the things I was focusing on and interested in just changed based on like I was doing different things kind of forcibly, you know, and then, um, yeah, it snowballed. Like, the, the longer I was sober, the more the more time I was able to put into, like, being with my family and working on my businesses so and doing things I love, like this podcast. And in having that extra time and attention, it just sort of changed. 
And then it's like, so it's more organic for me. So were you using drugs and alcohol to sort of, um, you know, deal with life challenges like relaxation and stuff like that? Or were you, was, was that not really a big factor? Because like, I look Mm. at somebody like my son, you know, at 19, who's like, he's, he's really leaning on booze, like. Yeah, for social anxiety and that's for all that these other maladaptive reasons. coping mechanism yeah, we exactly. talked about. I think that was a lot of. I think early on, yes, definitely. I would drink to feel comfortable. That social lubricant thing. I would drink or use drugs to be a part of, and I would use it to, you know, ameliorate my anxiety. And maybe at first that was kind of like an innocent enough, like thing to want to do, but. Because I'm compul- I can be compulsive and impulsive, mm-hmm. it turned into this deadly addiction. So with like the mix of the psychological addiction and then the physical, it's just snowballed into completely like almost killing me. Yeah. So when you when you first started going out into social situations, like after you quit, mm. um, it was hard. It was hard, right? Yep, very hard. But like, because you felt mm -hmm. like, I don't know if you felt like I felt, I felt like I was totally naked and emotionally vulnerable and like people could see right through me. I I had this, I I felt like every nerve was like on fire. Yeah, yeah. And and I had this in the back of my head for the beginning. I kept thinking about how I could sneak a drink, you know, when we would go to these situations. Finally, though, um, I just removed myself from them. I had to for a period of time to say, look, I can't, you know, I had to talk with my wife. I really can't be in, you know, bar, restaurant type things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you still, I still had that burning desire. I didn't know what to do with myself because when you have that gut reaction, that knee jerk, like, oh, I'm here, let's have a drink. That's hard to fight. And I I think that stops a lot of people who maybe go down and start with a dry January or whatever. Like the first couple of weeks, they feel so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that, and have no coping mechanisms and no strategy. Yeah, and they're like, this isn't know. better. What are you right. talking? I never heard that In fact, it's worse. It's way worse. You know? I feel raw. I feel, you know, they're emotional. Or why even go? It's just going to be boring, yeah. you know. And and so is is time and patience really the answer? I mean, is that the way you sort of establish your new sober personality or identity, if you will? I think, yeah, you have to be patient. You have to have faith. And I think that's why these faith-based... I feel like one of the reasons 12-step is um, what it relies on God is because you have to have faith that will get better. Because, you know, when when you first stop, everything tells you inside, like, this is wrong. I need to get my alcohol. And you have to have faith in something that this will be better. If it's faith in, like, you know, the understanding and, like, the, the stats, like, hey, if I stop drinking long enough, I will feel better. Or some people need to believe that, you know, some higher power will take care of this. Even if it's not the higher power, it's just like, you know, nature. What's the diff? Yeah, I mean, I think time is really important, but with time you also get a little perspective, you know. And it's that sobriety muscle, right, that you keep exercising every time you go into a social situation and you don't drink. You learn from that. Yes, that too. You observe what other how other people are acting. You you think and reflect back on what you looked like or what you probably look like to other people when you were wandering around wasted, you know? I remember having conversations with people at some work events and losing my train of thought in the middle of a sentence and trying to go back and, and say the same thing again and to a person who was not nearly as drunk as I was. And I, 
I wonder now, like, what did that person think of me? Were they like, that guy is so wasted, like, he can't even form a sentence. Yeah, I wanted to think about that. I used to, like, when I I would go to this one bar when I was in my early 20s, and I would be driving back, drunk, of course. Of course. um, Thinking to myself, oh, man, I can't believe I said that. Or people must have thought I was. And I would have to just put it out of my head and just forget it. I'm like, whatever. Those people are just bar people. They don't matter. Yeah. I used to think like that. I'm like, yep. you know what? Who cares what those people think? Right. I don't know them. They don't know me. Right. Let them think. What they, and that's how I, I kind of lived with whatever idiocy I was, you know, performing at these bars. So what, um, how much time had to go by before you started feeling comfortable in your own skin again? I mean, f- for, for me, like for work stuff, it was yeah. probably more than a year. Yeah. It took me a year. And even then, you know, it's been a dicey journey for me. Yeah. But I mean, eventually you get to the point where you, you look forward to social situations again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and like now I look forward to going, you know, even if it's like a, a bar, restaurant thing, you know, I'm comfortable just like you enough that if I know that my friends or family are having a good time where we're going, I can have a good time and not be resentful that I'm not drinking you know right or like they didn't even think to pick a place with no alcohol i'm an alcoholic how could they do that i'm just like <laughs> oh, fuck man like all right let's go hang out like it doesn't yeah but it took a while and it took confidence and i don't always have it you know some days i'm like i'm feeling raw and and in those days you have to be you know aware of what you're going through like and you know to steer clear of things that um you know, you got to be careful. You got to pay attention to how you're feeling. That's what they tell you. You check in with yourself. Yeah. They would say that at rehabs and stuff. You know, take a moment and check in with yourself. Close your eyes. Well, meditation. Medi- yeah, right? That's I mean, a meditation it, thing, it, right? It's a brief meditation. Right. And, and you know, I, I've always encouraged people to do somewhat lengthier ones um, a couple times a day. I think that the benefits are, are you know, they, they come more over time. You know, like sort of like staying sober, right? Um, but um, it is difficult in the beginning. But when you put enough time between you and that last drink, um, your life—you know—maybe you're not consciously rebuilding your personality, but I think it happens on a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. you really do change in in pretty significant ways over the long term. Yeah, you definitely grow because they always say you don't grow when you start using and drinking, right? They say you're emotionally uh, stopped. Uh, I've heard this before. So maybe when you become sober for real and earnest, you do begin to mature. But it really is, um, it's hard for somebody who's starting out to see that, to look. If you would have told me when I quit drinking, like, how much better my life was going to be in a couple of years, I would not have believed you. Yeah. Uh, because I was so attached to this idea that alcohol was the source of fun. It was the f- source of amusement. Yeah. It was... And you get reinforced. did all these things for me. The right. media reinforces it. Yeah. Your friends and family reinforce it. Every movie you watch reinforces yeah. it. How do you break through the matrix? Unfortunately, the only way is to mm. stop drinking for a a long period of time and that's an incredibly difficult thing to talk people into believing yeah think about the movie the matrix i mean you you can't talk them into believing you they pull the thing out of the back of neo's head right right? all the schmutz falls everywhere (laughs) he spills out and it's like that's not um that's not a comfortable place to be it's like being born and he's like 
you know, all of the <laughs> fucking the slime. Do you guys want to see the Matrix? Yeah, Anyone? Yes. Okay. So Keanu Reeves is all decked out in this latex, you know, like skin suit. So he looks bald and like a weird baby with mm-hmm. a hole in the back of his head. Right. So that's kind of like getting sober. It's like uncomfortable at first. <laughs> <laughs> just you're like neo yeah. you're coming out of the matrix and guess what the new world you see you know like it's like a post-apocalyptic world it's not exactly comfortable who knows if they have indoor plumbing but he's sober and this is but the it's reality honest. It's, the- it's honest yeah. and you know and i think you can make a nice life for yourself you can marry trinity and have a little family <laughs> right, right right so you can make the most of it and, and actually can, be happy do some crazy ass kung fu when you when you see through the matrix absolutely so. um karate kick but the interesting thing about that is, you know, you're you're outside of the matrix, right? So you're now, um, whatever you want to call it, a little more self-aware, a little more um, observant about, you know, society and, and trying to be alcohol and structures and and the way things are set up to, to encourage us to continue to yeah, like the divorce Grace, ourselves from reality, like see outside of the media matrix that they're tricking us with, you know. So how do you maintain that? point and position without damaging your relationships with people. I, I try and be very, I try and be very cautious with the way I word things. I try not to make people who aren't overtly suffering alcohol use disorder. I try, I try to, to be mindful of other people's experiences. And, um, I don't know. I'm not like proselytizing recovery and I try <laughs> not at all. Well, <laughs> on here we are, but in my daily life, I don't go wagging my yeah, yeah, finger yeah, at right. people, you know. Yeah. I don't know. You just have to meet people where they are and, you know, uh, I don't know best for everyone. All I know is what's best for me. And if if um, if someone else thinks that they need to do something that I don't like for myself, that's that's up to them. I'm comfortable with their happiness. And I try and try and be Buddhist about it. And things are neither good nor bad. They just are. And this is my path. You mm. know? It's hard, though. Yeah, I have to continually convince myself of these things. It is. I, I, it is hard because, you know, you, you have unplugged from the Matrix and you would like to share that with other people. Uh, last week, Danny said to me something like, you know, you, wow, he's like, you really hate alcohol. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do. I you hate what disdain. it's done to, yeah. to society. I hate what it's done to a lot of people that I know. Um, but, I mean, you know, when you've changed so much and... A lot of people around you haven't. Obviously, mm. there's going to be some tension there, right? And, you know, you need to keep, like, communication yeah. lines open, you know, with your loved ones, I think. Um, yeah. You know, because that helps with understanding. But you also need to set healthy boundaries, right? Right. Like, that's their life. I'm not and I'm not going to be a wet blanket and make everybody feel like I'm looking down my nose. Like, no, go drink. Have fun. Yeah. Just, um... I'm not, that's, that's not me anymore. So honesty is important in, in your relationships, but it has to be tempered with kindness and empathy. Is yeah. what you're saying? I would say that for sure. Yeah. I think everything should be with kindness and empathy. Yeah. Do you find that you need more personal space, like time to yourself to sort of, not that you get any, but do you feel like you need it? I mean, I'll let you know if I ever get time to myself, <laughs> how much I need it. Cause I think that's important. I, I think I'm you a, need to yeah. recharge the battery and, and. Give, give yourself some some sober awareness time or whatever you want to call it. Well, that's, yeah, true, true. I, I definitely, that's something I need to work on is to have more time to myself somehow. I just don't know when or where. But um, that's a risk, though. That That's putting myself at risk by not taking time to 
you know, check in with myself, like I said. Because you're important. I, sure. But you have to. I'm captaining this vessel right here. You have this to be important to five yourself. Five foot eight and a quarter, 145 pound frame. <laughs> I've got to control this thing and I've got to do it in the best way possible. Yeah. And that's like working on self-improvement. Yep. That's putting your own oxygen mask on before you attempt to put it on other people. Did chat GPT tell you to say that? No, that's an old one. I came up yeah. with that all by <laughs> myself. You're... I was thinking about that when that plane door ripped up open last week. Did you hear that? No, story? Uh, I think it was a uh, air Alaska flight. Oh my God. And the, you know how they have the, the doors. Yeah. Emergency. One of the doors just ripped out off and blew off into the, into the wild blue yonder. And, and fortunately there was no one sitting in the seat right next to the door, but like this one kid had all his, clothes ripped off wow like, and so they all I mean, had, i've seen that in movies and yeah. stuff i didn't yeah that must be so horrifying. the oxygen mask came down and the kid who was sitting next to his mother his mother put his mask on first and then put her own on like <gasps> like they like they say to do every time you know You're supposed to put your own on first oh wait and then the kid. yeah no that's what i meant because if you don't save yourself right. then the child will die right 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 so put the oxygen it's an mask allegory on. yes you know or uh, what do you call it an anagram an, anag- no, an acronym it's an yeah <laughs> I don't know. An elephant. I mean... What? What do you mean? I don't know what I mean. Hmm. So, it is possible to sort of rebuild your sober personality without torpedoing your relationships. Yeah, I mean, but inevitably, people will fall out of your life. Ah. Uh, are, there, are there relationships that perhaps need to end? Yeah, and a lot of them will end naturally. Some of them will go down kicking and screaming and... Um, and you'll make new relationships with your new life. The hard part is when it's like your spouse or something or me esposa, you know, when it's your right. boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, this is when it gets extremely difficult because you can't like just break up when no. you have a, you know, so that's, that's a very, or should you really? I mean, <laughs> so a lot of relationships end when one person gets sober and the other person quote unquote, didn't have a problem, right, right. to begin with. But the more healthy the, the formerly using person was, the sicker that other person gets. Mm-hmm. And they don't get better. And that creates tension. Yeah. So that, that's an entire show. How do you, how do you mend a, a relationship after, after you know, addiction has you know, ceased and the person's in recovery? How do you do it? Well, I think that's a little more complicated mm-hmm. and requires a little more... You don't have the answer? Where's the answer? I mean... Write us at MikeRAdMiddleAgesRecovery.com. Please tell us how to repair our relationships once we've gotten sober. I mean, it, it's hard for us to do a show on relationships yes, because... nearly impossible. We're in relationships. This and, is true. you know, we can talk about this in the abstract, but, you know... Yeah, speaking um, in the abstract, I mean, I've heard a lot. I've seen this in recovery over the years where the, the one guy gets sober or the woman gets sober... For the relationship, right? Yeah. I, had, I knew a couple of people in rehab where they went back into their lives and they were really doing great, but they ended up getting divorced or they would leave their partner because the person couldn't like, couldn't like get with this new spouse of theirs. They were used to taking care of them or they were used to being like a parent figure. Right. And all of a sudden this person is now like an adult and now the spouse who was like the co-whatever, the caretaker, so to speak is now feeling like, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. And they can't hack it. That's why they do those family-required groups. Like, when I went to rehab at first, they demanded that my family attend um, as part of the program. I think a lot of that depends on where you 
entered sobriety on where you were on the alcohol or drug use spectrum when mm-hmm. you went in because, you know, there's a lot of people that are just, you know, going along, high functioning, not a lot of family problems and have been keeping all of the the negative negative effects of the alcohol or whatever in, 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 in themselves. And it's like eating themselves alive, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe those issues weren't weren't so predominant, you know. Right. And, and But sometimes maybe that's worse because if you don't know what, the problem was, how do you know how to fix it? How do you know how to unwind all that? Um, but I mean, I, I think therapy is a great idea in a situation like that. But um, I, I don't know. It's complicated. You're damn right. You it's say the whole That could be the whole podcast. It's yeah, complicated. It's complicated. So you got six years. Six. Six yep. years. And there's an expression in Alcoholics Anonymous that says that it takes five years to get your marbles back. Yeah. Yeah, so, they give you a, a bag of marbles. I've been to a few meetings where they handed over a bag of marbles. I guess that's kind of like a meta- metaphorical way of describing the gradual process of mental and emotional recovery that often accompanies uh, long periods of yeah. sustained abstinence. But um, I wouldn't say that's a strict timeline, although as I'm here at four and a half years, I'm really starting to feel like I'm finally getting my marbles back. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that five-year thing is is pretty pretty accurate. Yeah, I guess um, it's, it's sort of the time it takes, you know, if you're doing it in earnest and you're really working hard at it. By the time you get to five years, you're a different person completely. Yeah. See? Yeah. That's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. You're rebuilding your yourself. Time yeah. and... Brick little elves brick. inside you are building little, tearing down walls and building additions to the house and so forth. And, That's right. Um, but why five years? Well, well, um, neurological healing takes a while, like just physical stuff, right? right the neural pathways have to yeah. Re- you're build, rewiring right? the way you're why you're trying to unravel all the wiring that alcohol and drugs put in your brain and try and get it back to a baseline where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why the longer you're active in your addiction, the longer it takes to reset or to, to get better. They always would make the analogy in recovery. Think of it as like you're walking into the forest six miles. Mm. You know, how many miles must you walk to get out? Six. Six miles, right? Now, I would did always. I get that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> you know, I would always qualify that with, well, but think about addiction like you're going in six miles downhill. Ah, uh-huh. And the six miles you're coming out is going to be uphill, oh. you know, so it's the same distance, but it's twice as hard. Yeah. That's how I think about it. Or mm. if it's Mount Everest, uh-huh. it's harder to go down. So it would be six uh-huh. miles up and then six miles down. Right. It's harder on your knees. That is true. Yeah. And cold. Sorry. And it might. is cold. Yeah. And I'm watching, I'm watching, Aaron and I are watching Obsessed with Mount Everest right now. We're watching, uh show on the Discovery Channel about uh, people that climb Mount Everest for various reasons yeah. over the course of three seasons. Why do they? Well, mostly because it's there and mostly because it's like a, a challenge. Like one guy was 66 and he did it because he wanted to be the oldest American to do it. One guy had no legs. He wanted to be the first guy to do it with no legs. Uh, you know, a yeah. whole bunch of reasons. My know, are you Jesse one of the people that are like, what? My cousin Jesse went uh, hiked to like the first thing. Oh, he hiked to base camp. She, she, a woman actually too. Oh, yes. Excellent. Cousin Jesse, she went to the first thing. Okay. Which still is crazy. Yeah. Takes like a week to get to base. Yeah. yeah. Um, so emotional and psychological growth. So you, you, you always see those memes, right? Of like people who, um, 
who quit drinking at, uh, late at like age 40 and then you see them like dressed like they were when they were teenagers mm-hmm. riding a skateboard because yep. they, their emotional maturity is so stunted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, long-term sobriety, you have to address these deep-seated emotional and psychological issues, uh, develop healthier coping mechanisms and, you know, manage your emotions. And that takes a little bit of time. Yeah, It's not going to happen in a year, you know. And it's important to have people that you're working with like if it's a if it's a a therapist or your group you know someone that you trust and respect that can give you good advice you know and what about just relearning basic life school skills yeah how to brush your teeth they used to say you've got to learn do everything differently if you want to recover if you put your pants on right leg first from now on it's left leg first that's what they used to tell us I mean, a lot of this is really you're just developing a sense of self-identity that's not centered around substance use, and that takes time. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. And you don't see it as a reward. I think the big thing for me was to really stop thinking it was like a reward I was depriving myself of. Yeah. Once I did that, once I actually believed that, everything got easier. Yeah, I, I see it the complete opposite way. Yeah. Like I look at... at like it's, I'm being drinking. attacked. I'm I, like, leave me alone. I don't want yeah. that. You know? Yeah. I, I look at the using and drinking as a, a, a horrible state of mind to be in and uh, sobriety to be the preferred state. And that's the thing that people who are doing dry January <laughs> cannot yeah, see. No, it's not enough. It's all deprivation. Like I, I can't have this. Like baby can't have his bottle. Yeah, it's like well, I'm doing a crash diet. I can't have sugar right. after three o'clock or something. Like, no, no. Yeah. This is what you want. Right. This is the goal. The goal is to not do it. Yeah. Mm. Why is that so hard? Mm. But it's it hard is for me. so fucking hard. It's hard for everybody. Yeah. But why? It's not like it's not like eating, really. I mean it's it gets a hold on you. You've been, you know it changes your fucking yeah, brain. It changes re- everything. Rewires it really everything. does rewire it. Uh, you know, they had that study that we always talk about with the cocaine mouse. Yeah. And a cocaine re- mouse. That's it, a great name for a band. <laughs> it retrains <laughs> your brain to so much that it puts the need for cocaine or need for drugs or alcohol above eating, sleeping, and your basic survival skills. And, so you really do. Not to mention your family and everything else. Every people go, how could you do this? How could you, you know, having kids? Well, your brain is completely rewired so that your survival instinct is to get high. Yes. Period. And it's above everything else. So logic is out the window. This so, horrible addictive yeah. substance. Don't ever ask your addict, your brain. How could you do this to your kids? Because they don't, that doesn't register right. at all. That It's confusing to them. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I got to have my drug. It's like to them, that's the oxygen mask. Right. Right. They're, they're doing that so they can take care of the kids. Sorry. That was a moment of clarity. That was good. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so. Once in a while. I keep forgetting to hit the button. <laughs> Um, counting days in recovery. Mm. Yes or no? Should we? Shouldn't we? I think it's good for early guys to use it as something to hang your hat on. I think it's a source. It's a double-edged sword. Motivation. It milestones. Help, but it, and, you know, accountability. Yeah. Structure. Just be careful on how you deify it. Sense of accomplishment. It's not everything, but it does help. Community support. It's a measurement. Yeah. You can't manage what you can't measure. But pressure, anxiety, mm. right? potential for complacency. You got to keep it, you know, it can't be the end of your life and you should try not to use fear on people who you're encouraging to stay sober. You shouldn't be like, 
If you throw all of this away, you're fucked. You're right back to the start. You're just a piece of shit who's constitutionally incapable of being. A- no, 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 no. Let's let's take it back. Yes. You want to stay sober, right? We all want you to stay sober. However, if you've been counting days and you're really happy, you've gotten your three months, and you have a sponsor or a partner, and you say, ah, I relapsed. I had a drink. The sponsor should say, thank you so much for telling me. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You've made so much progress. Up to This is just what I would do. Yes. You've made so much progress. I don't want you to overthink this. I think we just get keep going. Let's start over day one. It'll be a fresh start. Instead of, you've lost everything. Let's go back to the start. It's like, hey, we can start this clock again. This will be great. Let's right. go for it again. Sort of like you're aiming for another goal. Like, like you're having a catch with your son. I'm like, let's try and make 10. We get five. Ah, oh, man, let's start over. It's not like, son, you fucked up. <laughs> We're going back to number one now. Everything was a waste. Well, you know, there that's are... That's how I would... There are places where that is the way that that's, that's handled. And maybe that works for some people. Uh, I don't like it. I mean, if you've been sober for 100... Uh, hundred days and you drink on one, you were sober 99% of the days. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's all about a bedside manner and maybe there are different levels of, of addiction, you know, substance use disorder that need different kinds of approaches, but that's not mine. And maybe there's an overemphasis on quality. I mean, on quantity over quality. Yeah. I mean, I've got a million days sober, but I was miserable every single day. Is that what you want? I mean, nobody wants that. Do we want that? Is it worth the pain? Yeah. Not me. I don't know. I think it's a valuable tool, counting days, some for some people. Um, But I, I don't think it's beneficial for everybody. And, you know, there's some people that just don't even count days. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't, at this point, I couldn't tell you how many days it is. I have a general idea. And I know when, if I didn't have an app on my phone, I would have no idea what my sober day is because yeah, I have to look it up. Yeah, it's curiosity. I like to remember the date just so I can sort of say, this was the day. And I think back and try not to, you know, forget about everything because, you know, I definitely blacked out a lot of stuff and I don't know that that was the healthiest move. Yeah. Because things come up, like when the fourth comes up each year, I then, I think about that day. Mm. And um, I don't know if it'd be better to be processing this in therapy each week or or what. I don't know. I don't know. Anyone know? <laughs> Write us at Mike R at MiddleAgesRecovery.com. Tell Nat how much therapy he needs. Thank you. Okay, well. Uh, Do we have a recovery in the news? Yeah. All right, recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. Recovery. Yeah, sorry last week, guys. I I was not in studio, and I missed all the entrances. It was awful. I think they'll let it slide. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, this week's Recovery in the News comes from the Wall Street Journal. Uh-huh. Not usually a, a site of uh, recovery wisdom, no. nor is it recovery wisdom. This week, I'll be sharing with you. What I will share with you, however, is a tale of a drug-addled billionaire yes. swashbuckling his way through... United States industry. Uh, Elon Musk and his supporters have offered several explanations for his contrarian views, unfiltered speech, and provocative antics over Mm. the years. They're an expression of his creativity or perhaps the result of mental health challenges or fallout from his stress or maybe even sleep deprivation. But in recent years, 
Some executives and board members at his companies and others close to his billionaire, close to the billionaire, have just developed a persistent concern that there is another component driving his behavior. Uh-oh. His use of drugs. No. <laughs> a billionaire on drugs? That's horrible. The world's wealthiest person has used LSD, cocaine, ecstasy, and psychedelic mushrooms, often at private parties around the world where attendees sign non-disclosure agreements or give up their phones to enter the parties, according to people who have witnessed his drug use and others with knowledge of it. He's previously smoked marijuana in public <gasps> and has said he has a prescription for the psychedelic ketamine. Really? Yes. In 2018, for example, according to the Wall Street Journal, he took multiple tabs of acid at a party he hosted in Los Angeles, and then the next year he partied on magic mushrooms at an event in Mexico. In 2021, he took ketamine recreationally with his brother Kimball Musk in Miami at a house party during Art Basel. Mm. He's taken illegal drugs with current SpaceX and former Tesla board member Steve Yurvitson. Hmm. People close to Musk, who is now 52, so not a spring chicken, for taking all that stuff, uh, said his drug use is ongoing, <coughs> especially his consumption of ketamine, and they are concerned that it could cause a health crisis. And even if it doesn't, it could damage his businesses. Uh, it's it's a it's really a big problem with SpaceX because if you have uh, federal contracts, you um, your workforce can't do drugs. Um, um, hmm. So one example of his erratic behavior, supposedly that came out of this, was. Um, this this event at uh, at um, Hawthorne, California, where hundreds of SpaceX employees gathered uh, at Mission Control in anticipation of Musk giving a speech, and he was an hour late, and he showed up, and when he finally took the stage, he was incomprehensible at times. He slurred his words, mm. and he rambled for about fifteen minutes, according to executives in attendance, and referred repeatedly to SpaceX's Big Falcon rocket prototype, which was known as BFR, as Big Fucking Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> SpaceX president uh, Gwen Shotwell ultimately stepped in and took over that meeting. Wow. So he's a regular burning man and yeah. all these other things. And he throws a lot of private parties where he does a lot of drugs, um, you right. know, so, and he's been sort of minimizing it. Um, well, as he, sh- as he <laughs> could, I mean, he's the richest guy on earth. He's, yeah. But I mean, this, you know, this thing has effects on other people. Like he, yeah. when he smoked marijuana on Rogan, you remember that from a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah. Um, the stock tanked. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and NASA demanded written assurances that SpaceX was complying with the federal drug free workplace law and spent $5 million in taxpayer money on training for SpaceX employees to not do drugs, I guess. So, um, I don't know. What do you think about Elon Musk's very public drug use and its effect on his behavior? Should we? Should we worry about Elon? Should we care if Elon Musk is doing drugs? I mean, he's selling more Teslas than ever before. All of his companies are doing really, really well. I think how is Elon doing inside? I think this is a matter for his shareholders to address. <laughs> well, honestly, I mean, just looking at him, you know, and I told you the other day and I was I was half joking, but not really. I said, you should tweet at him and get him on the show <laughs> because maybe he wants to talk to a couple other middle aged guys who. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Elon managed to deal with their, their drug problems. You know, look, he won't—he wouldn't be the first rich and famous and powerful person to abuse drugs and famously like party and do acid and worship Satan. I mean, <laughs> wait, that last part—I'm not sure was in oh, the story. I was thinking of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and all of the stories about how that got started and Anton Lavey and uh, uh, Alistair Crowley in the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. There is a lot of Oops, sorry, interesting stuff. 
that these guys, <laughs> guys, I'm telling you, weak and weird. At, look up Alistair Crowley and Jet Propulsion Laboratory. These guys, these genius billionaires who control the world, are nuts. They do drugs. They trip on acid, and they control the world. So watch your back. You're all fucked. I'm not worried about Elon Musk taking acid. I mean, no, I that's mean, fine, and some mushrooms, and and even the ketamine. Like, doesn't really, you know, as long as he's doing it in some kind of a th- therapeutically based mindset. I don't know. Like, with the cocaine and the other stuff, like you I, know. I don't like it for him. I think it's not the best move. But who am I to tell that guy anything? <laughs> he has a spaceship. The man has a spaceship. Yeah, but I mean, what am I going to? I don't want to be riding on that. Not that I ever would, I'm but I would prefer to. not to ride on a spaceship. You know, where the man in charge of the spaceship is wasted on fucking psychedelics all the time. I mean, we've seen it before. Rich guys going wild because there are no rules. Right. When you are well, there Elon are rules Musk, for us. There's no rules for them. Right. He is firmly above the rules, and all we can do is go, man, that. Doesn't look like a good idea. And then get back to our job. I think, yeah, it's scary. And I probably would avoid stock in his companies for a bit. If that's where I would see this thing, like, hmm. you know, um, and that's why they get mad. That's the only reason they care. Stock is like trading at the high as it's ever traded. Well, when he says the wrong thing, what happens? Or if he does something crazy. Buy the dip. It dips. Yeah. Then you buy come the in. dip. Yeah. So maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. I don't know. God bless Elon Musk. I mean, he's Musk. 52. If he does too much more cocaine, he's not going to be around to see the, the 60. Listen, Elon, I don't recommend you continue abusing drugs, but listen, come on the show. Let's talk <laughs> it through. I think you can have even more billions and do more for the world. Do you think he's one of those guys that um, uses the transfused blood of young yes, kids? Definitely. In in. Uh, uh, Silicon Valley, there's that whole thing. Yeah, did you ever watch the show Silicon Valley? No. They did a whole episode on that. I, 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 and I thought it was sci-fi, but apparently it's real. Like some of these guys like get transfusions of blood from like healthy young 20-year-olds. Like, Just like... Um, it's, it's fucking sick. Man. Count Bathory, you know, there's a famous story of an old countess who was murdering, you know, the, her help and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Weak and weird. Well... Uh, Elon, we wish you the best, and, and I want you to quit doing drugs, guys. <laughs> if you want to. Please. Yeah! Well. That was it. Well, that was a short one today. Well. But you know what? That's good, because last week quality, was fucking long. Quality, not quantity. Yeah. I don't know. Do we have either one of those? Yes. <laughs> you tell us which one. Write us at middleagesrecovery.com. That's no. Mike R. Yeah. at middleagesrecovery.com. Hey, when are we fixing the website? Huh? It's it's currently in process. It is? No. No. I mean, I, I'm thinking about it. It's <laughs> it's in my head. That about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Yeah, sure. Thank you That's so fine. much for listening. Thank Visit you. us at middleagesrecovery.com. For, just go there. It's going to have an old episode up there. Visit us at Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and X, Twitter. So... Tweet is a twat. You twit. Support your favorite show. Drop a five-star review on our private Facebook group. Hold on. Yes. Go to Twitter. Mm. Tweet at Elon Musk and tell him to come on Recovery in the Middle Ages. We, we, we will guarantee him dozens of listeners and an open <laughs> open forum that he can air his... Yeah. his uh, we'll, we'll listen to your side of the story. Yeah, Elon. I'd love to hear from Elon. Like, yeah. 
Tell us what's up. Um, join the Inner Sanctum. Support the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash Recovery in the Middle Ages. We've got a $3 tier that you can get a... I think you get a sticker, and then there's another tier where you get a cool mug. Yeah. And we have a Discord and some old video episodes if you want to see us kind of scrambling to look professional on a video uh, and failing. <laughs> uh, it's pretty cool. And finally, the best way to help the show is... To share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. Um, if you get something out of our show, please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. i see you next time. Stay, Stay fresh, fresh, cheese bags. bags. Goodbye.